The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. All right, once again, I want to welcome you to Temple Bible Church. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. I wanted to remind you of something or really let you know about something that's coming up. Uh, a little while ago, we had a, an event called TBC Together at Fire Street Pizza. And uh, we're going to be doing another event like that coming up on January 16th. So if you want to save the date, uh, it's going to be an awesome time. We don't have all the details yet, but uh, it's just a great time to get together, hang out with one another, get to know some new people. And uh, so that's going to be January 16th on a Sunday evening. And uh, it'll be an awesome time together. So over the past two weeks, uh, Chase has led us to understand and meditate on the longing that God's people had in waiting for the Messiah. He, spoke, he focused on names of God and dealing with the topics of hope and peace. And today we get to see the joy that came as a result of the longings being realized, that these longings they had for so long were embodied in, the, the fulfillment of them were embodied in the Messiah. Now coming on the heels of my last three sermons on this stage, this topic is amazing. We just went through a series called Deadly and I spoke about lust, sloth, and pride. So a topic of joy uh, <laughs> brings great joy to me uh, to not have to uh, cover some of these things because I know some of you felt beat up uh, as I prepared, I felt beat up myself. I'm not saying you're not going to feel beat up here because sometimes when the scripture is read, we hear it and we are convicted. So it may happen today. I can't promise that. But I'm just excited to talk about joy today. See, one of the best ways I've found to really get into a particular topic or subject is to kind of study its opposite to study what it isn't before we really look at what it is. And so since I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, uh, I decided maybe I could Google a little bit about antonyms of joy. And so this one comes up, and I told you it wouldn't be depressing, but this list is. Uh, some of the results that came up are agony, anguish, sorrow, blues, cheerlessness, dejection, depression, despondency, disheartenment, doldrums, downhardness, gloominess, melancholy, misery, and sadness. Now, these words don't describe what we experience on a daily basis in our society and in our world at large. I don't know what does. Now, some people say, man, I wish it was like back in the old days. And people that wish for the old days don't really remember the old days very well. Because this list could be inserted into the old days too. We live in a broken world, broken society. We are broken people who need to be restored. And so when we look at joy, we can't help but see the opposite and learn from it and see how joy can enter into this difficulty. See, tis the celebratory season of give me a shot of something, right? And some of you instantly think of alcohol. That may be something you need to deal with. But uh, give me a shot of, could be espresso, could be tequila, could be shopping, could be movies, or it could be hunting, or it could be football. And for me, it's basketball. Watch the Sixers beat the Warriors last night. Uh, you know, a shot of something, right? But often these shots of things leave us longing for more. These shots of joy 
don't really point to much, almost like eating a candy bar for energy, right? You get a shot of energy that lasts for about 10 seconds, and then there's the crash. So oftentimes, especially during the holiday season, we, we look to things for artificial joy and shots of joy, but instead of looking at the true source of joy. Don't get me wrong, some of these shots of joy can point us to the true source of joy. Hunting, appreciating God's creation, getting out, playing a sport with someone, or even shopping together as a family, thinking about gift giving. All these things can point to the source of joy, but often they don't. I want us to know and understand and embrace this life of true, lasting, unfettered joy that goes beyond just the shots of joy that we might get. After taking some time to consider the antonyms of joy, I wanted to get off that depressing train and try to think of something else. So I started thinking about this question, like who in my life, who do I, can I identify with that really embodies joy? And one of the first people that came to my mind was a friend of mine that I don't get to see very often. I actually see him uh, once or twice a year. But it's a person that just overflows with joy. And when you're around them, the joy is contagious. It's somebody who's been through difficulty. A man named Jean Baptiste who lives in Rwanda. And when I get around him, I'm just inspired by his attitude, inspired by his life, inspired by how he lives out the gospel. This is a man who came from a difficult spot. He was born into conflict in his country, and even at a young age, in about what would be fifth grade, fourth grade, he found himself, even in the genocide, walking over dead bodies in the street. But this man has found this joy that is just contagious. And so I talked to him a few weeks ago when I found out I was going to be talking about joy. And I said, man, I've been thinking about this question, who, who produces joy and who do I see joy in? And, and your name keeps coming in my head. And I said, I, I just need you to share with the people at TBC uh, the joy that comes and where it comes from inside of you. And so I asked him, I said, hey, could you just film a short video and talk to the people, talk to my friends here, talk to my family at TBC and tell them about how it is that you found this joy in your life. So he graciously did that, and I want him to kind of help preach the message this morning. So listen to Jean-Baptiste for the next two minutes or so talking about joy. Check it out. Hello, greetings from Rwanda and Basi. This is Jean-Baptiste, and I am privileged and honored to speak about joy with you. Uh, My wife is called Joyeuse, and in English, that name means joy, and I'm so blessed to have joy with me. And we have been married uh, for 11 years now, and we have been blessed with three children. We have experienced joy that we want to share with you right now. We asked each other what real joy really looks like we found that it is a lifestyle of every believer because joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
when we have no money, when we have people sick, others are in the hospital and we are supposed to take care of them. When we lost our three children, we still find joy was not absent. What makes this happen? If we stop to think like the worldly people do, we will realize that the light of God's presence has shone on us. God has been so good to us. His presence with us is the greatest blessing in life. Can we uh, be like the prophet Habakkuk and say, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. My brothers and sisters, when my wife and I face discouragement, we think of the love and goodness of the Lord that we have known in our lives. And this helps us to give thanks and rejoice despite what is happening to us. We want to encourage you with this word and make the Lord keep you and bless you. May his uh, face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to you. All right, so hearing from him, Jean-Baptiste, I'm not sure if you caught with his accent, but they lost three children to miscarriage. Not only did he experience horrible times even as a young man, but even in those moments in their short 11 years of marriage, losing three children, and yet you see this joy that just comes out of them, and it's something that isn't phony, it's something that's not put on just because someone's visiting from another country, but it's just him. And it's who he is in Christ. It's who his family is in Christ, and who his wife, you would have seen his wife, she's very quiet, but she just also just exudes joy. And so for us, we can see as he taught us there that it's found in the spirit, it's a fruit of the spirit, this joy. So for us, we can look at these names of God and we can see the list of names of God and see that there are certain ones that really can kind of stand out when it comes to joy. And the first name of God would be Emmanuel. Emmanuel, talking about Jesus coming in the flesh, that God is with us. And uh, it's kind of a prequel here to uh, a few weeks from now on December 26th when maybe some of you will be sleeping in and have a Christmas hangover, not literally, hopefully, but like an actual hangover just from all the gifts and the mess and things like that. And I'm thinking about uh, speaking on December 26th and how God came into the mess through Jesus, And how Emmanuel gives us the idea that God is with us. And Isaiah, the prophet, he gives this bold prophecy and a specific prophecy so many years before Jesus came. It says, she will give birth to a son, being Mary, will give birth to a son, will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, the incarnation, God becoming flesh, coming into our mess, the mess of our lives, right in the middle of all of it helps us see that our Christian faith can have, can be a faith of joy. Tim Keller puts it this way, I become convinced that what makes the difference for Christianity is the incarnation. No other faith says God became flesh. Christmas and the incarnation mean that God went to infinite lengths to make himself one whom we can know personally. 
You can find unmeasurable joy in knowing that God is one and God is the one who came through his son Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. Not only is he Emmanuel, not only does that produce joy, but also another name of God that should produce joy within us is Redeemer. You think about the word Redeemer, if you look it up, you'll see that it often is described with the word exchange. When we have a redeemer, we have somebody who took our place. We have somebody who came in, our, in, in the mess of our sin and where we needed someone to step in. And it's all throughout the Old Testament, the idea of a redeemer, the idea uh, if, even if uh, somebody loses a husband and, and that husband passes away, that someone steps in and takes care of things in the family. And so we have this exchange that takes place this redeemer who took our place, that stepped in, in our sin, in our need, in our brokenness, and came in as the Christ who paid the price for us in exchange. Job, he went through unfathomable suffering, losing his whole family, his whole fortune, and all this pain in his life, but he found great joy and comfort in knowing his Redeemer. He says in Job 19.25, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last, he will take his stand on the earth. Just like with Job, I know this season isn't easy on people. Just like Job, we, we've gone through difficulty and maybe for some of you, Christmas really isn't something to celebrate. Maybe there's difficulty surrounded around this holiday. Are you in pain? Are you depressed? Are you doubting God's goodness? Do you feel abandoned? Have you lost hope? Have you been hurt in ways that you can't mention? Does Christmas time bring memories that really aren't fond memories? They're not joyous memories. Well, you can find great joy today, though, in knowing that you have a deliverer. You have a rescuer. You have a redeemer. Someone who exchanged your dirty, nasty, sinful life for his perfect life so that God can see you as one with no sin because he's looking at Jesus who paid the price on our behalf. So instead, he looks at his son who paid the price for our sin. We have a redeemer. But not only do we have Emmanuel, God with us, and a redeemer who exchanged uh, our sin for his perfection, but we also have son of the most high, one that's not as often talked about, a name of God. The angel Gabriel made this declaration in Luke 1, 30 to 33. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So you think about what does it mean to be the son of the most high. And the only thing I can come up with really in human terms is just a, a human example that we can recognize uh, on this earth and maybe kind of study that a little bit, but of course it doesn't quite go beyond that. But if you look at the screen, you can see a picture of two young men or one older man and a young man, it's a father and a son. 
LeBron Raymond Brownie James is from Wikipedia. James Jr. is an American high school basketball player who attends Sierra Canyon School in Los Angeles. He's the eldest child of professional basketball player LeBron James. Now, you think about that statement that's online for everybody to see. And when I thought about this, Son of the Most High, I don't know, oftentimes when I think of things, my mind goes to sports. I just love sports, especially basketball. But when I was thinking about this, I was like, well, there are people in sports that have had parents that are like really good at what they did and hall of famers and amazing careers and and they kind of come along and they do their thing and uh, their Wikipedia post that I looked up would be kind of like a little lower, maybe further down, dad would be mentioned, like Ken Griffey Jr. or someone like that, uh, or even McCaffrey now and his dad is a receiver or things like that, but their names are mentioned kind of further down in the description. But in this description, you have him directly linked right after it says where he goes to high school. Here's his dad. Now, why is that? Of course, if you know anything about basketball, if you've been around basketball at all for the last 18 years, uh, you've seen LeBron has been an icon of basketball. I wouldn't call him the GOAT, like some of you might, but he's an icon, one of the top five, arguably, of all time. I can't give him that title. I'm still with Jordan. But there's some, I think, in the back that would argue with me about it. Uh, But the idea is this. He is a son, and he is forever linked to his father. Always. He will always be linked to his father. In the same way, Jesus is linked to his father, but where the human example kind of falls short, we see that Jesus exceeds this example by far because he's forever linked to his father, not just because he's his son, but also because he is God. He's God in the flesh, that he came down and the son of the most high not just represented the most high, but he is the most high. So as he performed these acts of of service and kindness and acts of healing and, and care and love, we see this embodiment of who God is, the son of the most high. Hebrews 1.3 states, he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he, made pur- <clears throat> when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So in addition to seeing Jesus as the son of the most high and that causing uh, feelings of joy within us, I think we can take that even a little further down the road to know that as God's children, we get to be called children of the Most High. You get to be called a son or a daughter of the Most High if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. If you see him as your king, you have the privilege to be able to be a son or daughter of the Most High, a child of the King. These names of God, they they spark within us an attitude of joy. And I think as we continue, we remind ourselves that gospel joy, not fading joy, not temporary joy, but gospel joy is different than the basic word. It's different. And it causes a different response. I think if we look maybe in the next few minutes, we can look at four things that gospel joy is and that it does within the believer. First of all, gospel joy is for everyone. The gospel joy isn't saved for some and and left out for others. That is an opportunity to experience for everyone. You know, uh, thinking back in the early part of the church, 
The word of God wasn't easily accessible. It wasn't readable. A lot of people didn't know how to read. And it wasn't written in languages that people could understand, especially uh, in the beginning of the church. And it actually wasn't translated into everyday language until the 16th century. But imagine the joy that God brought the people when these devoted uh, scholars got the word of God and translated it into the everyday language so they could hear and they could read it and experience it and really feel the presence of God through the reading of his word. This joy that must have come over them must have been amazing. Luke 10, or Luke 2, 10 to 14 says, the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. It's for everyone. It's for all people. And the gospel joy can be found by everyone who's here today, who's listening online. Anyone can find this gospel joy. Not only is it for everyone, the gospel joy also results in worship. When we experience this gospel joy, the incarnate word of God, the incarnate Jesus Christ, when we experience him, We truly experience the deep love of the Father, the amazing gift of the Son. We can't help but worship. It just flows out of us. We see uh, earlier when we read the opening scripture and Mary's response. Mary's response was one of just utter worship. I don't know about you, but many of us probably would have been thinking about all the challenges that were going to come as a result of being pregnant without a husband especially back then. But what happened to Mary in that was anything but miraculous where she just took that information and just went full blast on worship. And we see here in the same way when the wise men had this angel come to them in Matthew 2, 10, 11, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going to the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When we have times where we experience Jesus in a, in a way that blows our mind, it just makes us joyful, but it also just allows us to worship. Even when we were looking at the book of Mark and we saw people who were afflicted and even demon-possessed and they were possessed by these demons and the first response that they experienced when they came to Jesus was what? They just bowed down. They couldn't even stand in his presence. And for us, when we experience gospel joy, when we experience the embodiment of gospel joy, it should push us to worship It should call us and draw us to worship. Gospel joy results in worship. But gospel joy also leads to acts of love. One of the things that, I mean, literally just this morning, I was able to see a perfect example of this. I got up pretty early, thought I got here pretty early. I go down to the Creekside building where my office is, and I just smelled something amazing. And when I go to my office, it's not always something amazing, you know? I might might have left my shoes in there when I played basketball or something. It's not really that awesome, you know, the smell. But I walk into that building, it just smelled like 
like somebody was just like baking, like cooking a big Thanksgiving dinner. I was like, yeah, the Christmas gift drive luncheons today. And this is a time to celebrate with our community where families are going to come down to that Creekside building in a few minutes and experience God's love in a, in a very real and practical way. And there's a man that woke up way before probably any of you in this room. And he was down in that kitchen. I walk in that kitchen this morning and there's fresh baked rolls literally coming out of the oven. And there's ham baking in the oven. There's turkey. There's gravy being made. And all these things are happening by this one man. and this is his gospel joy. He's not on this stage and he wouldn't want to be. But he's performing acts of love not to impress anybody. He doesn't want anybody to even know his name. And he's not doing it for that. But he's doing it because he has gospel joy. He's experienced Jesus Christ and a life change that takes place. And here he is in the kitchen going to town waiting for these families to arrive. And it's a beautiful thing. This past Thursday, I received another uh, example in an email from an eighth grade math teacher who's part of the body here at TBC. In this email, she spoke about being inspired by some local outreach emphasis and specifically uh, talking about foster love. She said, I proposed to my class that we could hold a drive of some sort to help foster love, and they bought in immediately. Our population of students is about 80% socioeconomically disadvantaged and most have been affected by CPS or foster care in some form or fashion. I'm really excited about this project and all the items they've already brought in to donate. They're asking family, friends, teachers to sponsor them by buying one item. See, these students, mostly in need themselves, are finding uh, this joy, inspired by their teacher who understands gospel joy and understands that it often leads to acts of worship in acts of love, Psalm 46, five through nine embodies this idea. It talks about who God is and what he does and how this can be embodied in us. It says, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord is God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever. He executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. I don't know about you, but in that moment, reading that scripture, I wanted to shout. Just shouts of joy and praise. And some of you are falling asleep and you're not realizing gospel joy is a response. It's not begging for people to talk back. I'm not doing that. But the reality is it should actually, you should be able to see it in you. You should be able to see that you have that joy, that the spirit is alive inside you, that you have a redeemer, that someone has exchanged your mess for something beautiful. It's an amazing thing. So uh, gospel joy, it leads to acts of love. Lastly, gospel joy brings renewal. It brings renewal just not in the present, but also in the future as well. Romans 12, one and two, Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? 
the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Renewal comes from experiencing this gospel joy. Renewal comes from meditating on the sacrifice. Uh, the renewal comes when we first give our lives over and, and literally a living sacrifice each day saying, God, here I am, what do you want to do with me? Not, God, here I am, what are you going to do for me, right? It's here I am, what is it that you've called me to today to display gospel joy in the environment that I've been called into, whether it's a locker room, whether it's a classroom, whether it's a hospital, whether it's a home, whatever it is that you're called to. How am I displaying gospel joy? It's this renewal. We offer ourselves, we meditate on God's word and it leads to action. It leads to gospel joy. Not only present renewal though, but it also leads to future renewal. Future renewal, Revelation 21, three to five. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Just listening to those words of future renewal can really bring gospel joy. There's many of you in this audience even now who know of people, or maybe it's yourself, who experienced horrible things even this past week or have read about people losing a family member. Just heard about two in the last two days. And the devastation that comes, but we can find hope in future renewal. We can find hope in the fact that God will wipe away every tear. That he's gonna restore the brokenness. And even in these moments in our lives on a daily basis, we can find restoration in the one who came in the form of a baby. The one who lived the sinless life. Do you know Jesus as Emmanuel? Do you know him as God with us? Do you know him as Redeemer, the one who exchanged your sin and paid the price for you on the cross? Do you know him as Son of the Most High? The one who embodied his Father, the one who lived out his Father's will on earth even though he knew he was going to a cross to be killed? If you don't know him, if you've never trusted him as your savior, today is the day. Today is the day where you can say, Jesus, I know that you paid the price for my sin. I know that I'm a sinner. I know my, my mind actually just points to direction. My mind goes that direction and towards sin and toward darkness. And Jesus, I know that you paid the price for my sin and to give me new life. You can call on his name today and trust him as your savior. He will give you new life. He'll give you new purpose. He'll give you a joy that's not dependent on what's going on in your life right now. But maybe some of you have experienced him as Emmanuel, Redeemer, Son of the Most High, but you need to tell your face. Some of you have experienced him as Emmanuel, Redeemer, Son of the Most High, and you need to tell your hands. 
Some of you experienced him as Emmanuel, Redeemer, Son of the Most High, but you need to tell your feet. Some of you have experienced him as Emmanuel, Redeemer, Son of the Most High, but you need to tell your bank account. When we experience him in a deep way, in a way where we meditate on his word, and we have his spirit alive inside of us, it should change us. It should impact the way that people see us. And we should inspire people to want and know this gospel joy. It's all throughout scripture. You look at the book of John and it talks about it, First John as well, where it talks about this is how we know that you're our disciples, that you're the disciples of Jesus. The embodiment of gospel joy is that we love one another, that we care for one another, that we're people of worship and love and care. During this Christmas season, just as we prayed, take the time to live out this gospel joy among family, friends, coworkers, neighbors. Take your feet and tell your feet, hey, we're gonna walk 100 feet next door to our neighbor and we're gonna bring them something amazing for Christmas. Tell your hands to get to work and bless somebody in the love of Jesus and in the name of Jesus this holiday season. Show them what gospel joy looks like. Help them see it. So as we wrap this up, I just wanted us to take some time to meditate. And instead of a closing song, I just found this video this week that, man, sums up the names of God in such a powerful way in a way, way better than anything I could come up with or come out of my mouth. And so I, I want us to kind of take this time as we watch this video to really consider gospel joy, to consider the names of Jesus and how that should, should change us this Christmas season. So check it out and then I'll close this in prayer. What name could contain such a glory? In the cool breezes of Eden, brought from the infant earth, one arose, the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man. And as heaven waited short with breath, the creator spoke yet another, Eve mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nations, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name could contain his glory? For he was mighty God, as the universe gasped into being, flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void, to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth in him. He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. 
When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves. When we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting Father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor. God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king. He who took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years, breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity, exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul renowned? For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, the Great I Am. What name could contain the Word of Life, the Light of the World, the King of Kings, the Lord of All. We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. What name could contain such a glory? What name but Jesus? We cry Jesus. We cry holy is the name. God, we come before you. Broken people, You need to be infused with your joy. Lord, I pray that during this time, as we celebrate your birth, Lord, I pray that it'll be a time where we get to meditate and renew our minds on who you are and what you've done. The fact that you made the great exchange for our sin and your perfection. I pray that anybody in here that doesn't know you will feel your spirits leading to trust in you today and embrace you as their savior and king. Lord, we come before you joyful, joyful beyond even words can express, Lord, thanking you for what you've done and really eagerly, joyfully looking ahead to what you will do because you're not done with us yet. In your name we pray, amen.